I'm Linda Holland. Kristen Link, our wonderful women's ministry director, uh, said, would you please pray for the group and pray for Becky and introduce Becky. Hopefully everybody, anybody not sat under Becky's teaching before, you've never sat under Becky's teaching. Okay, you're in for a treat tonight, ladies. So we're so glad y'all are all here. Those of you who have been to a Women of Wisdom or a Bible study or a breakout before that Becky's done, know that the Holy Spirit will speak to her today. So, um how can we pray for you? Because we're all going to pray for you, but I'm just going to lead us. Yeah. that. Uh, so I had a video we were going to show, and so that didn't happen. So I'm trying <laughs> as fast in my in my head as I can remember what was in the video that I wanted to make sure we got. So it was a whiteboard thing. So if I was really gifted, I could like do it on the board, but <laughs> I'm not. No. <laughs> I can preach it. That's all I can do. So. Okay. So. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful that you uh, provide, God, and that you're kind. And so we um, just come to sit before you Hmm. and ask that you would speak to us each individually. Um, Holy Spirit, where we're at, thank you for these wonderful women. God, thank you for this Hmm. church body and this church family. Thank you for Becky, and we just pray that you would speak through her. And the Holy Spirit, um, whatever you need to remove, you would move Hmm. out of the way. And whatever you need to bring to the forefront and help us to grasp onto, that you would do that. And so we trust that um, that you're good, and we trust that you are always speaking. And so would you make our mm. hearts attentive and our ears open. And we love you, Lord, and we praise you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank Thanks, you. Lydia. Thank you. All right. Okay, show me again who has never sat under my teaching. Oh, hopefully they'll come back. Thank you. I know. Well, you can take as many as you want. So, Okay, so... Um, Let's start by, um, I just, quick introduction, let's just go around, people can get their name, give your family if you want, I mean, I'm not married or any kids, so I'm always awkward in the family part whenever anybody asks me if I have any family, no family, so, um, and then maybe why you're here, because you want to do something where your kids will inquire, it's okay, it doesn't have to be deep and spiritual, or what comes to your mind when you think about kingdom of God, or you know, Lydia was coming. I didn't want to stay at the house by myself. I mean, so whatever, whatever you want to share. And I'll start with Carmen because cause I can. Because I can. So, Carmen. I'm Carmen. I'm married to Josh. We have two kids. Four and a half, two. Um, Lord help me. Yes. And Adorable, but they're still four and a half and two. <laughs> Why are you here? What do you think when you hear the kingdom of God? Um, I'm just here because I want to manage your teaching again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I mean, I care about the Bible, too, but I know you're going to say the truth, and I need in my life some more truth. I like it. I like it. Tracy? Right. I am Tracy Hunter. My husband is Tim Hunter. Um, we've been in Hebron for 30 years. Um, I have two children that are grown, and I have a six-month-old grandbaby. Woo-hoo! He's Ethan, and um, I'm here because a friend of our mine in Sunday school told me about it, and I wanted to know more about the kingdom and learn more. And, Thanks for being here. I'm Lydia Holland. I don't know some of you, but I want to get to know all of you. I have the honor of being on our women's ministry leadership team, and so that's why Christian asked me to come. So I definitely came tonight for the first one because of that. But I love Becky, and I love the Word, and I love all of you. So that's why I'm here, (laughs) which is so true. Um, I'm Karen Holland. I'm Lydia's mother. And I'm here because Lydia said she was coming to a Bible study that Becky was teaching, and I said, oh, can I go? And so um, I have actually, we actually have been at Hebron 40 years, so we're um, telling how long we've been at Hebron. Um, 
and I'm here because I do am so moved by Becky's teaching and the way the Lord speaks through her and um, and just to connect again. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Karen, for being here. I mean, Carmen wins the who's been here the longest because she's born here. So that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's like by definition, <laughs> by definition. That's true. That's true. Actually, but you know what? Actually, no, her dad. Oh, that's her I know. Dad, like lived in our, our house. Okay, so now that might trump overseas. So I think we were. Yeah, that <laughs> might trump that. So you know, we're we're at the wedding or something. He He's saying it. Rusty's saying it. I got that. Yes. Her dad is our music pastor. <laughs> got it. I got it. Well, Lydia was born here too, then. So, okay, sorry, we distract. Sorry. Sorry. I love community. Go ahead. Um, I'm Andrea Burkhart. I'm married to James, and we have one daughter, Genevieve. And how old is she? She is five. Five. Um, <laughs> well, how did that happen? <laughs> and um, I'm just here to learn more. I just love learning about okay. the word. And mm-hmm. Andrea. Yes. Okay. Yep. Not Andrea. Not Andrea and Andrea. Andrea and Andrea. Okay. Because my closest friend is Andrea, and so, so. she's not real gracious. Am I right? No. She's not gracious if you get it wrong. Go ahead. My name is Amy Bell. Um, my husband's Heath Bell, and we have two girls. One is six, and one is she'll be three next month. And um, Yay. Um, and. I came, I do have one in choir, and I also have heard great things about your teaching. Oh, thanks, Lord. Thanks, Amy, for being here. Okay, good. Hi, I'm Eileen Joy. I've been married to Matt Joy for 31 and a half years, been a Hebron for 21 years. Um, I have a son who will be 27 next month and a daughter who's 24. Both live out of state. I'm an empty nester and I hate it, and I come mm-hmm. here oh. because there is no one who speaks to me and teaches me the way that I can. I don't know what it is about her, but every teaching I've ever been in, I didn't set this up to be, you know, talk about <laughs> Becky. <laughs> 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 I always say before that if I, like, I sit in the front row because she just really speaks to me well, then if I could sit on her lap while she was teaching, <laughs> 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 well said. Yeah, but I can't, I can't <laughs> talk to <laughs> her. <laughs> 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 I'm sure that there's lots of us that would want to do that. Praise the Lord. My name is Bertha Godfrey. I have a wonderful three-year-old who I don't know where she is right now because she's in Wham or something. <laughs> they, don't take they got her. They got her. <laughs> okay, you say so. And then um, I've been here for about a year, and I've heard you at the Women's Retreat and Women of Wisdom and really enjoyed it. So that's Good. Yay. Fantastic. I'm Keisha Siebels. My husband's Jonathan. Um, we have three kids, all girls, 11, 7, and 5. I was going to say, do we have, does anybody have boys yet? Yeah. You have one boy. Okay, sorry. Okay. We have a lot of girls here. We got a lot of girls. I'm just saying. Okay, three girls. Uh, I've been in Hebrew about three years in October, and I just I love God's word. I love studying it. I love immersing in it. And can't I mean Becky Turner? Anything with Becky Turner, I'm going. Because <laughs> I know the Lord speaks through you. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. Hi. Hi. Becky. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Amy Jenkins, and I have been with Hebron. I think it's like six years now, and um, I have an eight-year-old daughter, don't have a husband, and a couple dogs. There you go. Yeah. Good. Fantastic. Thanks for... And what brought you here just because you're eight-year-olds in choir and you needed some place to go? No. I actually filled out something last week in church, and it said something about... Not last week, but recently, and it said, what do you need, or something, and I said, a five o'clock women's Bible study, and then the next... 
Time I, I looked at the cover, it said Ta-da! 5 o'clock on Sunday starting. We, two weeks ago is when we, Kristen called and said, Amy needs a 5 o'clock Bible study. We need <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your needs are, we try to meet here. Yeah, it was supposed to be 5.30, but we all voted we would change for you. Sorry, it's fine. I'm Lisa Cordano, and I've been at Hebron over 30 years. So um, I am married. I have four children and um, and two stepdaughters as well. These are two of my girls, and I am here because I want to learn more. And she's a cone. Yeah, she's a cone. She's a cone. She's Ted and Kate oh. Cone's daughter. Oh. See, you had, I knew you had to say that. Okay. She's a cone. She's a cone. Oh, wow. yeah. No. Oh, you oh. 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 oh, okay. So you're are you are you in high school? Um, this is actually my first year of college. So I'm attending University of North Georgia in Gainesville. She's at that age. It was you know I was like if I say college and then so I should have said college because then it's not offensive. She said no, I'm just wrong. <laughs> Brooklyn, thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Carolyn Grove. Um, I'm a junior in high school and I go to Tequila High School and um, I'm here because my mom wanted to do something with us. So. There you go. <laughs> do you know my favorite nephew? Who's a junior at Tequila? Yeah. <laughs> he's that. Friends, actually. Is he, does he talk to you? Yeah. We're okay. Good. Ones, yeah. We'll figure out how we can talk because he doesn't talk to me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I get that. We text all the time. Thanks for being here, Carol. Yes. I'm Tracy. I've been at Hebron for almost 11 years now, and I have three kids. My oldest is a son. He's in the army, and then I have a high school or a a college student who's not at college now because of the wonderful hurricane that went through Carolina. Wow. She's home for another week, so, and then I have an eighth grader at Osborne. Wonderful. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your service with your son. I'm Sandy. Um, I'm married to Kevin. We have three kids um, and a new puppy. And because of uh, just, you know, the season of ministry that we're in right now, we've been pretty disconnected to things like this. So I'm so happy that uh, this time and this evening is working out and I get to, somebody over here said reconnect. I think I'll see you, Karen. Reconnection. That's what I'm here for. Thanks for being here, Sandra. Andrea? I'm Adrian Melton. Um, I have no clue. I've been in Hebron and then out and back. I have no idea. No. Um, <laughs> as long as Carmen's mom's been here. So, um, but anyway, um, I'm here because you bless me every mm. time I sit under you. And I love the fact that you're real and you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. One more. Oh, I'm Lisa. Um, I'm Lydia as roommate. Um, I came from Michigan. I've been here for four months. Um, and my sister, uh, Sarah Ward, um, is oh actually my. married to the Bur- uh, Sarah Scott Burbank. Yeah. The Burbank family. Yeah. So they've been here. My brother and I were here at Hebron first. And that's how I got associated with Lydia and stuff. 
Yeah. And I taught Sarah a hundred years ago. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Before they were married. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks. I'm Becky Turner, uh, as we have said, and I do love, um, I do love community. There's some things that just takes staying put for years to make work. And, um, and that there's the connections and that I know who and you know that and you're a cone and, you know, I was here a hundred years ago and your dad sang at my parents' wedding and, you know, and it just, because hopefully we've done it enough that we can be real with one another and we know, we know what she looked like before. We knew who they were before. We knew what they did before and they're not who they are now. Not that they needed to be a buck wild 30 years ago, but now we look at them now and they're like, man, God's grace is moving them through, through their lives and it's... We can see the difference. And they, they overcame, right? I mean, in this room alone, we could talk about the overcoming that I personally know of stories in many of your lives that I can talk about just the overcoming, that you only know someone overcomes and endures and perseveres if you've known them a long time. Because endurance and perseverance by themselves is, requires a long time. You don't endure for a short time. You endure for a long time. And, and um, that has nothing to do with the point of this, but I love that we bring that to the table. And what I would say to anybody is stay. Stay. Wherever you are, stay. You know? It will continue press through on and like, goodness, who was at church this morning? Glory be. And I'm telling you, I'm like, do not let the choir come down after that song. I'm like, I am break out. Steve, sit down. Sing another one. I went like if I, I know. I'm like, I need to go to a Pentecostal church because we would have sang another song after that. We'd still be worshiping right now. You know? I'm like, forget the program. We're going on with another song. Am I right? I mean, we should. Yeah, I know, exactly. But, but then Steve gets up and busts it. I mean, I mean, what a message about are we here? It reminds me of Francis Chan. Tells the story of his daughter, his 13th birthday, and she goes up to him and she says, he says, honey, for your 13th birthday, what I'm going to do is we're just going to do a um, just cake, ice cream. We'll do it here at the house. Actually, we'll skip the ice cream. We'll just do cake, do a pool party. How many of your friends do you think will come for your 13th birthday party? And he said, she said, like, you know, four. You know, it's true. And he said, okay, now, what if I rented out Dave and Buster's for your 13th birthday party? You can invite anybody you want. Games are free. Food's free. How many would come? Like the whole school would come. And he said, but you don't understand. I would bring my gift to you in the middle of a desert crawling across because of my great love for you. And it doesn't have to be Dave and Buster's. I would bring my gift because I love you. And how foolish if he would have said to his 13-year-old daughter, look at all the, standing at Dave and Buster's, look at all these people who love you. I don't love you. They're being entertained. They're eating good. That's why they're there. And he said, the next year, what do we got to do? We got to go to Hawaii, you know? I'm like, sorry. Teenagers, I mean, I'm going to bust on teenagers for a minute. But, like, we go to prom, and, like, they got helicopters. I'm like, I mean, what are we going to do at your wedding? I mean, eighth-grade baseball, ter- eight-year-old baseball tournaments, they're giving them a ring for a weekend tournament. I'm like, that's like state. You get a ring at state, that's, you know? So no wonder we have these destination weddings and we get out of college and we owe $200,000 in college debt and then we get married and it puts us into $50,000 debt. 
it, you know, it just needs more. Let's just, what really matters? And that's what Steve said this morning is what really matters. What really matters. And so tonight, I, what I want to talk about is kind of just give you an overview about the kingdom of God and what it means. And I, I hope, my hope is after six weeks, and these somewhat build on, but please invite friends, coworkers. I'll back up a little bit and repeat um, to kind of get everybody caught up. But I, I'm hoping that at the end of these six weeks, you will, your entire life will be transformed. Your entire life will be transformed because now all of a sudden I understand and have purpose and meaning and motivation beyond what I do here on this earth. You know, because I think if all, if all I have is salvation, not all, let me rephrase that. John 10.10 10 says that I've come to give you love. The, thi- the, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if there's destruction, if there's killing, if there's stealing in your life, we know who the root of that is. So dig down, find out what the root of it is. That's what the enemy does. But I have come, Christ says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you do not feel like you're living an abundant life, a joyful, eternal, eternal meaning God-like, meaning right now, greatness, joy, happiness, sometimes joy and happiness, two different things. We don't need to get that. But if you're not living that and waking up every morning with the, okay, God, what, are you gonna, what am I going to do today kind of experience? What do you have to speak to me today? Who are you going to show me today? If that's not where you're living, I'm hoping by the end of this six weeks you'll say, I'm, gonna, I'm living that. I'm living that right now. And we can do that right now. And I think a key part of that is, is understanding what the kingdom of God is. And first thing, and I think I, and if I skip blanks, holler at me. I'll fill you in the blanks. Um, what is the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is the full gamut of God's reign, R-E-I-G-N. It could probably be reign. I probably could go on that too. But reign, like R-E-I, like he's the king. He has a purpose and a meaning and eternally. eternally. And it's not just the church and the four walls. That's not what it's all about. I mean, what, what happens on Sunday is great, but it should totally change us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday corporate worship is one thing we do. But our private worship will never be great. Our, our public worship will never be greater than our private worship. And there's so much more that goes on in life and needs to go on in our life as believers in Jesus Christ than just what happens on Sunday morning. And it's the entire reign that he is king. And if we think about that, whatever, I mean, we don't, it's hard for us to grasp kingship because we don't live in a monarchy. We live in a democracy. Okay, uh, democracy is of the people. It's the people, and I love a democracy. I love capitalism. I love democracy. I think it's, it's the best in our fallen system. But a monarchy is totally based on one man or woman ruling over everything and making decisions about everything because they have the highest wisdom, knowledge, power, and direction. Now, it might not necessarily be true. It's fallen because of man, but with God as the king... He is the king. We as serfs of the king, as people in his court, we can trust him to guide us and direct us in every step of our life. He is king. And, it's, and, and as a monarchy, they don't just say, well, what do you want to do today? 
you know. If I could do a British accent, I would have done it a British accent because the monarchy doesn't really work in the South. But what do you want to do today? No, they have a plan. We want to conquer these lands. We want to create this economy. We want to do these things to help our people. We want to help with this, whether it's health care or whatever. That's what we want. How can we best take care of our people? That's what the monarch is thinking. That's what the king is thinking. How can I best take care of my people? Good kings always are concerned about taking care of their people. And they have a love for their people and they have a like for their people. And those are two different things. They have a, and that we can trust in the Lord is that he is king. And if we don't get that, if we don't understand that he is the king, we're going to go through life just fighting with him. Trying to take on the kingship ourselves, queenship ourselves. God, you're in control, and you're right, and I trust you, and I know you're you're working things for me, for my good. And so I'm going to try. No, this makes absolutely no sense. Scripture A, B, C, or D, or Z, or Y, or X. I mean, we got plenty of them. This makes no sense. Love my enemies. Give my money away when I don't have any. You know, take care of the poor. I love. This is an amazing verse. King, this makes no sense. But you say in Proverbs, if I give to the poor, I lend to the Lord. Okay, that makes no sense, right? So if I'm going to take something, I'm going to give it to the poor, who, by the way, he might go do drugs with that money. That's not my responsibility. You know, my responsibility, I mean, I'm not going to intentionally enable somebody to go there. But if it's just, you know, Someone, here's 50 cents. Go get a cup of coffee, whatever. You know, that I'm, I'm lending to the Lord is what the scripture says. The king, the king owes me something. How crazy is that? That's what the scripture says. He's king and I got to trust him on that. I think another important thing is not only what is the, king, what is the kingdom, but when is the kingdom? When is the kingdom? Like sometimes we think of the kingdom is like sometimes off in the future. No, the kingdom is now. The kingdom is now here on earth. Now here on earth. And the key thing that we need to do while the kingdom, once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, once we come in there, the kingdom has started, it's working anyways, but just saying we're now aware of it. And my role for the king is evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. That's my role for now. All I'm doing is bringing people to the kingdom and making disciples. That's what I need to be, that's what I need to be doing. I think it's really key. You know, Matthew 28 says, and we always say the great commission is to go. No, that's not really, that's not the imperative in that verse. The imperative in that verse is to make disciples. Go is really as I go, along the way. So I need to be making, it's not just going to Nicaragua, you know. That's not, that's good. Go do that. Go on those things. But the great commission is to make disciples. And it, it says it makes it, it teach the and it make disciples and teach them how to obey the commands, and I, that's key, because prisons teach them the commands. I mean, I mean, our schools teach the commands. You know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. You know, don't hang out with those who do. Right? That's but our job in making disciples is to. Teach them how to obey the commands. And the only way we can teach them how to obey the commands is to do life together. Is to walk alongside. Alongside. 
And I can stand up all day and I can preach to you and teach you things. But I probably, for me to make real disciples, is you've got to do life with them. You've got to come alongside them. Moms, grandmas, your responsibility of, is those little kids, whether they're two and a half years old, six month old, brand new right here, or whether they're you know, in their 20s or they're out off you know, serving in the military. Our responsibility is to teach them how to obey the commands. Don't just teach them the commands. Come alongside them and help them figure out how, for them, how can I obey this command? And that goes back to the scriptures. And if you said anybody, ask anybody else that said I'm teaching, you know how I feel about the scriptures. I'm sure it'll come up. So there's, there's, when is it? It's now. But then it's also then. Then. Is that the next point? No, we're doing another one. Okay, then. Then is, um, so how this is going to work, this is what I believe. This is like, we're not going to get into this, you know, what you believe. I mean, um, I think I can defend it biblically, but it's not, my salvation is not based on this, of the thousand-year reign. And um, how, the, how the time frame works is this, is um, sometime in the future, and we know that because it hasn't happened yet, someone will rise up and he will be the Antichrist. And that Antichrist will create one world bank, one world everything, every, I mean, one world all this, and for three and a half years, and one, world, one church, for three and a half years, it's going to seem like everything is really, really good. This is the savior of the world. It's solved everything, right? Is the Antichrist. And then in, in the three and a half year point, during this time, there's going to be two guys. Two guys, three guys, witnesses. Two guys that are in is Jerusalem. And they are like saying that Antichrist is not the dude you guys think he is. They're kind of John the Baptist repentance, preaching against that. Those two guys are going to be killed. Here's an interesting little prophecy associated with those witnesses. Is this witnesses said, the scripture says that everyone at the same time around the world will see those two witnesses killed. Okay. Ten years ago, like, we're like, ah, how could that happen? Today, right here on this little cell phone. Right here on this cell phone. Anybody that was alive can tell you exactly where they were when the second tower fell, and they saw it. And that was 15 years ago, right? 17 years ago. 2001. 17 years ago. Everybody in America saw it. Now, Now we're 17 years down the road, and there are more cell phones than there are human beings in the world right now. And the technology of cell phones and satellite television is... So, I'm just saying, we're getting closer to that time. At that time, those guys are going to be killed. The Antichrist is going to reveal himself. I believe the rapture is going to happen. That means the church is going to... It's called mid-trib. The churches are going to be out. The church of Jesus Christ is going to be out. And in three and a half years, there's going to be chaos. And read the... What's the series? The Hay Book. Left Behind. Read the Left Behind series for more information about those seven years. And, and then at the seven-year reign, at the end of the seven years, Jesus is going to get on his white horse, and he's going to come down, and he's just going to kind of basically look at everybody, and all the bad guys are going to fall, and the church will rise up. And they'll reign. And they'll reign with him for 1,000 years on this earth. And I believe that is a literal 1,000-year reign. And we'll talk about rewards, and we'll talk about that 
later on the series, but in that thousand-year reign, we will rule and reign with Jesus here on earth. Here on earth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just like, some people are like, well, I just want a little cabin in the side of the earth, you know, side of heaven. Just give me a little shack, you know, with running water, and I'll be happy. That's all I want. I'm like, dog. I want like the mansion on the mansion. I mean, I want the 10,000 square foot circular drive, you know, five car garage. I mean, every, I want it all. I want to be secretary of something, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I want it because he's a rewarder. He wants to give those things to us. Parents, how much does it please you when your kids do right? Especially when they have a really good opportunity to do wrong. And how much better when they do wrong and then they get the second chance to do it and they do it right. How much more does God in heaven, how much more does God in heaven want us to do the right thing and then reward us? Reward us. So that thousand year reign, we're ruling and reigning with him. That explains, helps me understand deathbed confessions. Deathbed confessions. Because when someone is, there's a part of me just being real here, there's a part of me that, like, I mean, being holy is hard work. I mean, just being nice doesn't come natural to me. I mean, I don't know about you. Kindness doesn't just, like, rise up in me. The guy in the airplane behind me in the seat, I'm thinking, when you stand up, you better be seven feet tall. Because his knees were in the middle of my back the entire flight. He was some short guy, and I wasn't going to get in a fight. But, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I paid for this whole seat, this whole little seat right here. You're intruded into my space. And I'm thinking, Lord, I should be so much nicer, but I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and anyways. <laughs> so, those, so I'm thinking, I get heaven, I get heaven, I got heaven. Yes, I'm going in. I got heaven. But those guys that have, like, this deathbed decision at the very last minute, and I believe they're saved. They're going to glory. I'm like, but I've worked all these years, you know? And so it helps it for me because I need to have, you know, performance-based acceptance is my <laughs> issue. And so, so, but it doesn't, right? Because it says, and we'll look into this in the scriptures, but it says they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth and people will be on the utter, outer darkness looking in. And I believe those are the ones that have just gotten in by the skin of their teeth. And they haven't done anything post-salvation. Anything post-salvation for his glory. So, now, then, and then forevermore. After a thousand years, after a thousand years, we will be able to forever worship and serve him. Worship and serve him. And here's, this is, I'm getting ahead of myself with some of the teaching, but it's so exciting. Again, think back as a parent, or as an aunt, or as a grandparent. When When you, or even as a spouse, even as a friend, when you love somebody, what do you want to do? That answer is very You want to do something, right? Bob Goff wrote a book, Love Does. When we love something, somebody so much, it's not just like, hey, I love you, you know? We, we, want, to, we want to serve and we want to do. And I believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be serve forevermore. There's going to be serving and there's going to be doing. There will be worship. There will be rocking, kicking worship. But I think we will worship in our service to the Lord and to one another. 
And it's just, just going to be like this amazing love fest of service. Which really, again, for me, because I'm a worker. That's my, I like to work. I don't like to just hang out. I like to always have a project. I like to work. And so, again, that, you know, maybe this is all about me. I'm not sure. But I do think biblically I can defend these things. But we'll, get, we'll be able to. So in the forevermore, we will enjoy him and we will serve others and we will worship. Now, then, forevermore. That's when it is. So right now we can enter into the kingdom of God. As I told, I was able to speak to some kids in Pagosa Springs on Wednesday evening. And praise the Lord, three kids made decisions for Christ. And... Um, but I told them this. I said, we are all living for eternity. I mean, it's just where you're going to live is going to be your destination. But here's the kicker. And this is really, these are the keys to the kingdom. This will not, and we will. Does anybody have a Kleenex? So I quit kind of like, I'm wiping my sleeve here in a minute here. So, uh, so keys to the kingdom is, um, thank you. Number one, number one is belief. Number one is belief. And your belief will determine where you spend eternity. Your belief will determine where you spend eternity. Will I spend eternity in heaven or will I spend eternity in hell? It's your belief. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whosoever, praise the Lord, I'm a whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then 17 is great. He didn't come to condemn the world but to set it free and to give it life. So belief. But I think it's interesting. Ephesians 2, 1. Ephesians 2, 1. Galatians, Ephesians. God eats popcorn. You like that? God's Electric Power Company, that works too. Then somebody is like grapes, elephants, pizzas, and something. I mean, I've heard, I'm like, anyways. Ephesians, toward the back. New Testament, after First uh, Second Corinthians, Ephesians chapter two, verse one says this. Paul, oh yeah, I was two one. It's like one when I was looking at one one, and I could make it work, but <laughs> it's not good. It's going to be two one. It's going to be much better. As you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and what you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience. We were dead in our trespasses. Okay, I'm going to do it. This is my favorite thing. I got one shot at you. You guys have heard this. Someone else, if you know how to do it, come do it. Justification, sanctification, glorification. All right? So this is what happened when we're born, because we're born in Adam. We're born a third dead. Because we're a triune being. We're made up of... Of three things. The spirit, the soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and a body. That's how we're made up. Because we're made up in a that's trinity, same thing, all that kind of stuff goes. So three things. So when I'm born, I'm born a third dead because my spirit's dead. Or the place where the spirit resides in me is dead. I've got the same spirit as, as Brooklyn. I got the same spirit as Sandy. Sandy's got they know Jesus, same spirit. So it's not different spirits. We've got one spirit called the Holy Spirit, okay? So I'm born without the Holy Spirit because I'm born in Adam. Go back to Genesis. We don't need to go there, but we could. Genesis, fall, sin. I can do the whole talk about Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. 
Adam picked his woman over his God. That's how much power we have over our men. Side note. Um, okay, so born a third dead, and, but a two-thirds alive. My soul is alive. My mind, my will, and my emotions are alive, and my flesh is alive, right? My body's alive. And apart from Christ, all my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions, all that it has to get counsel from is the flesh. So flesh, what do you want to do? Glory be. I mean, who has lived a life that's all you've asked yourself is flesh, what do you want to do, and what a mess have we gotten? Sex, drug, eating, rock and roll, whatever. You know? Mad, angry, whatever. The flesh. Feed the flesh. Feed the flesh. Feed the flesh. And, um, but then once we come to Christ, now the soul has somebody else to seek counsel to. It's called the Holy Spirit. And we always have, we still have that choice. So what it works is this, is that if you know Christ is your Lord... There was a decision where you said, I am transferring myself from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light through the power of the Holy Spirit and by God giving me the faith. That's called justification. Just as if I've never sinned before. So from this point back, I'm two-thirds dead. I'm a third dead. From this point forward, I'm whole. Whole and complete. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's called justification. Someday down here on this end will be glorification. And that has to do with my body. I'm going to get a new body, bless the Lord, when I go to glory. This old body is going to fade away. Anybody, your body's fading away. It's not like it was. I mean, <laughs> he thinks I should be gray right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sandy can fix that. <laughs> he can fix that. I'm chemically dependent. Anyways, from that point, <laughs> from that point, of, <laughs> so from this point of sanctification to, I mean, this point of justification to that point of glorification, this whole process in the middle is called sanctification. This is the stinking hardest thing in the world. The hardest thing in the world to do. I don't quite have my mind around this yet. But it says in Isaiah, and there's also points in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where it says that we're going to shine, our wisdom, the righteous will shine. And that glory will shine more and more as you walk out this sanctification process when you get to glory, when you get in the then and the forevermore. And so I think really bottom line is how I'm going to live in eternity in heaven will be impacted by what I do right here in the sanctification process. Does that make sense? And so, I mean, it is, I mean, Francis Chan... He's my favorite. I didn't even make any notes to quote him twice today. But Francis Chan does this great story about the rope. Has anybody seen the video about the rope? So he has this rope. And it's like run all the way out the door. I mean, miles and miles and coiled around. It's huge. And he's got this little space with the tape right here. And he says, let's just imagine this is your life. This rope. We're all going to live in eternity. We're all going to live for eternity. Your time on earth is this little piece of tape. And what you do right here in this little time on this rope will impact all of that forever and ever and ever. And it's like, he's like, dude, what what do you mean you're giving all your money away? You know, how are you going to live here? He's like, this is 70 years. If we're blessed, 90. I want to do this now so that I can have it then. So this sanctification process that we go through, a transforming of our minds, dealing with our broken hearts, dealing with our wounded souls, 
walking that process out in holiness and righteousness will impact not just today, because it's now, right? I mean, when I am nice, it is so much better (laughs) for all concerned, including me, right? When I choose to walk in obedience, when I choose to walk in self-control, when I choose to walk in submission, and girls, it's a choice. If I have made this decision from Christ and I have gone from absolute darkness to total light, I have the power within me, called the Holy Spirit, to say no to unrighteousness and yes to godliness. I am without excuses. I can't say, well, I just can't help it. That's just the way I'm I'm a cone. That's just what we do. (laughs) Right? Can't, nope. Can't use that excuse. I'm not a cone. I'm a blood-bought daughter of the king inherited everything that is due to the daughter of the king, and I'm an heir, and I've received it. It is all mine. All i got to do is walk in it. Walk in it. And what is the coolest thing is when we walk in it, he's taking notes. And he's one day he's going to come back and reward us. I don't know. Where am I on my notes? <laughs> Free gift. Free gift. Right, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. That whole thing. That whole thing of salvation is a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So this this point right here, my belief, key number one, my justification, God did it all. He gave it. He gave me the faith. He gave me the unction. The Holy Spirit's the one who pursued me. I did nothing. Not a result of my own work so that no one may boast. Okay? Justification. All of his work. And that when that happens, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it, that we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Immediately. I have gone walking in darkness. And I have repented. And I am walking in light. And here's interesting. The Greek or Hebrew or some translation or the Amplified or some comic book or something. But repent means to go home. To go home. We've walked away. It's the prodigal son. We're walking away. We're walking away. He's like, no, repent. 180. I didn't make a 360. Lord, I've made 360. Right? I say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And there I am again. I'm back. No, I did a 180. Repent. Go home. I'm a new creature. All the old is gone and the new has come. So number one, key belief. Number one is belief. Key number one is belief. Key number two is behavior. Behavior. Continue. I mean, this is all. This is all together. That's why you have to read the scriptures in content, context. So we've read eight, nine. We all agree, right? We all agree that God's gift of, of salvation is a free gift. It's His work. We do no work at all to make that happen. Well, right after that, it also says this: For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, we didn't get saved just to be saved. And we didn't get saved. I mean, I'm sorry. And we're the worst about giving invitations. We being Baptist. Come forward and you won't go to hell. You know, come forward because Jesus died on the cross and your sins can be forgiven. Come forward. No, come forward because he's the king. And you need to worship him right now in fullness and in truth. Oh, by the way, you don't have to go to hell. Oh, by the way, you can walk in peace and joy. Oh, by the way, you might be delivered from drugs. 
Oh, by the our salvation should not be based on what I'm going to get. I don't want to get. It's like my giving. I give. I'm a 100% prosperity preacher. Because I believe if I give, I'm going to get. Now, I'm not going to. I don't give to get. I give because I love him. And I know because he promises us. It's going to be overflowing. When we come to him for salvation, we come to him for salvation because he's worthy. I don't share Christ with my stranger or my airplane. Not that I ever share Christ with somebody on the airplane. I'm the worst, I'm the worst passenger evangelist in the world. But I don't share because they aren't going to go to hell. I share because God is worthy of that man's worship right now. Oh, by the way, you don't have to go to hell. It can't be a man-centered gospel. It has to be a God-centered gospel. But here, the crazy thing is this. It's like he saved us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He set up good works for us to do before the foundations of the earth. And then he's going to reward us for those good works. He's going to... And that's so hard for us to receive. I go, I don't know. I'm just happy to be in heaven. <laughs> right? I mean, really, seriously. I mean, and I get it. I mean, no, 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 no more. But thank you. I'm good. I'm just good just getting in. It's like, no, I want to reward you. I reward you. My, our behavior matters. Every decision, choice will matter. Someone's keeping record. Someone's keeping count. And we'll be held accountable for that. Two places in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> Am I right? Is there, what was the key? Ephesians 2.10 was purpose. Good work. And now judge for our good works. Um, okay, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God giving to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and somebody else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. We build a foundation, and the only way, the only solid foundation is Jesus Christ. Everything else, twist, uh, sinking sand. Okay? Jesus Christ is the foundation. He says, okay, I've laid the foundation. Apollos laid the foundation. You know, Pastor Steve laid, you know, whoever you come to faith in through, I guess, not in. I come to faith in Jesus Christ, but someone has to share that with me. I've laid a foundation in Jesus Christ. And he says, okay, now be careful how you build. Because this is what it says. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a... Reward, post-salvation. The reward is not salvation. Because a reward, is a reward a gift? No. You've done something. You found something. It's earned. Is our salvation earned? No. Ephesians 2, y'all can talk out loud. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. No, it's not earned. So this reward that I'm going to get post-salvation on the day must be something I have worked for and I've earned. Because we have, we usually have this real strange opinion like we don't want to do anything to talk about works. Like it doesn't matter. Works matter. 
May they see our good works and glorify the Father. The good works matter. And the good works someone is keeping record of. And on that day, and that day, that day is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and judges us as believers, not for salvation, not for where I'm going to spend eternity. Why? Because I already know where I'm going to spend eternity, right? We know that. We made a decision for Jesus Christ. We believe what he blood-bought sin, sinners saved by his grace. But on the day of his judgment of us, he will say, great, you got saved. Great, Beck, you got saved at 27. I put you at Hebron Baptist Church. I put all these godly women around you. I put these teachers over you. Now, what have you done? Here comes the fire. And that's what I built with my relationship with my parents, with my coworkers, with my friends, with any family members, with my strangers. Because that's really where it is. What have you done in your relationships? And what have you done with the resources I've given you? Your time, your talent, your touch, and your treasures. What have you done? Is it gold, silver, precious stones? Wood, hay, stubble. And only God knows. And a big key of that is the motivation. Because I could be up here teaching right now, and you think, well, that has got to be gold, silver, precious stones, right? Came back early from a trip in, you know, to Colorado so that I could come and teach you guys. It's got to be, right? No. If my attitude inside me is wrong, I would hate stubble. Pastor Steve, you think, oh, if he's preached on Sunday morning, it must be. You know, Kevin baptizing kids. It's got to be. Gold, silver, precious stone. Not if their hearts are wrong. Or on the same side, someone working like a dog, making millions of dollars in the secular world. And you're like, well, that can't be wood, hay, stubble. I mean, that can't be gold, silver, precious stone. It must be wood, hay, stubble, right? No. If he did that and then turned around and gave those riches to somebody else, that is gold. Gold. We're going to be held. And I want a big, and depending on how much is left on your pile after the fire comes from his eyes or from his fingers or whatever, that's your reward. And it's not a crown that we're just going to throw back at Jesus' feet. I get to live on this somehow. Somehow this matters. It means something. It means enough that he's going to reward me for what I've done in the good works that he said it beforehand. My behavior matters. I will be judged for my behavior post-salvation. My motivations, my intentions, what I did with every gift he's given me. And it should bring about transformation to those that are around us. We all should be different women as a result of anything. More and more and more like Christ. It says we go from glory to glory. And how it works is this. We, we are here, okay? This is life. Sin is revealed in our life. I mean, I'm like, a sin. Becky is critical. Becky overates. Becky drives too fast in traffic. Becky doesn't always pay attention in traffic. Okay? That's why I bought a 2008, 2018 Toyota because it helps me keep between the lines because it says ding, you know, and I, okay. So it's a specific sin in my life. I'm so grateful for that. Specific sin in my life. It doesn't justify me ever texting and driving. <laughs> a specific sin's in my life. Okay, so then I confess it to the Lord, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I agree. That's a sin, and I want to change. I don't want to do that anymore. And the Holy Spirit empowers us 
And usually it's about that through this one. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in power. And he enables us to not touch a cell phone or to not overeat or to not yell at my husband. Not that I have a husband, you know, or whatever, right? And I always say I can always yell at him tomorrow, right? Because there's always another opportunity, but not always. As my friend who's a widow says, I would be happy to pick up Troy's socks today. So girls, you got a husband you're complaining about? There's a lot of women that would be happy to pick it up. Anyways, we have the power to walk. And we start walking, and it's, it's a progression, right? Like one time we don't do it, and then, you know, okay, it's a progression. And then all of a sudden, we're like walking in freedom. Yay, we're in freedom, and I'm no longer in bondage to that sin. So we're, we've responded to a new, we've now reached a new glory, personally in our lives. Okay, but then what happens next? It's this vicious circle. <laughs> Another sin is revealed to us. And then we cry out to God for power to walk in that. And then we begin walking in that and we get freedom in that. And then we reveal in us and we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. If you are still, listen, don't let the besetting sin of Paul think that, well, it's just, it's just my besetting sin. No. 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 Don't settle, for a, don't settle for a besetting sin. Choose to have power over that sin. And ask God to empower you to do that. Ask your friends. Or the, I mean, we could spend all day talking about how to do that. Okay, we're going to be judged for our works. i got to stop at 6. Because we got some baby that we don't know where she is. So. Still no text, but I'm sure it's all fine. So let me give you the blanks. This is kind of as a review. Genuine salvation involves... A new creation that is entirely God's doing. Okay? Genuine salvation, right? That's it, Grace. Great. Okay, number two. Genuine salvation inevitably results in a life of good works. If we know somebody who got saved 20 years ago and they are no different and they're not doing any good works, I would question their salvation. That's what gets us in trouble when we say, just pray this prayer and you'll get saved. That's not a genuine salvation. Because there should be a desire to die. Because he created us in Christ Jesus. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And if we're not doing those good works, then are we really saved? Or at least we're, are we at least miserable? I mean, I check, are you at least miserable? Okay, fine. Are you miserable? Number three. God prepared these works before he saved us. God prepared these works before he saved us. Number four, and this is the key that we, it's that balance between we sometimes as a Baptist who are so heavy on grace and the free gift that we forget the work side of it. Although God sovereignly ordained these good works before time began, we are responsible to walk in them. We are responsible to walk in them. This was a quote by a friend of mine, Bob Shank, and I think it just sums it up. Works cannot save us. But once assured of our own salvation, our lives become eternally meaningful when expended in service to the Great Commission. And our attention to that imperative will be commended and compensated by the Lord Jesus Christ upon his return to establish his kingdom on this earth. That's, 
that makes everything different. That makes everything different, doesn't it? It's not like I'm just waiting to die and then I get heaven. No, I, I hold off a little bit, Jesus. I want to get a bigger reward. Because it's kind of like it's like a matching gift, right? I give a dollar and it counts as $2, right? I mean, there's something about I do a little bit here and this time right here, and it's going to go for eternity. An amazing verse. And we'll close in this because I'm going to talk next week about rewards. I'm going to talk about good works next week, and then week three through six, we're going to talk a lot about um, rewards. Revelation 22.12 says this. It's one of the last things he says. And he says, Jesus says this. You know, the red, red letter matters. It's the second to the last thing he said in Revelation, which is really the last thing he said. The last thing was not the Great Commission. It's the last thing he said on earth. This is what he said to, Paul, to, to John in the book of Revelation. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or my rewards with me to repay each one for what he has done. I, that's, he's like, I'm on my horse. I'm not, I'm, he didn't say, like, I'm bringing all these angel warriors to defeat the enemy. I, I'm, I'm on my horse coming to get my bride. No, I'm coming to reward. That's what he says. I'm so excited about coming. I can't wait to my reward with me. He's got the foot in the stirrup, you know, leg kicked over, ready to go, because it says that he doesn't even know. I don't understand that either, but he does not even know when he's going to come. But when he's coming, what he wants to tell us about his coming is that he's coming to repay us for the works that we did, that he empowered us to, to do. So why not? Let's do good works. Let's bring his kingdom here, wherever here is. Hilton Head on vacation. Wherever. In school. On the airplane even. I mean, go figure. Let's live a life that he will be so excited to bring a huge honking reward to us. Like, we got to get a U-Haul. I need another trailer. I got so much I want to give. He wants to do that. And that's his desire. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you did not... You did not... Hide your kingdom in secrecy. Your scriptures are very clear about what you want us to do and how you want us to go about doing it. Lord, thank you for these ladies that have come out. Lord, I pray that supernaturally what I have said, will you'll transfer, transform it in the air so that they will hear a word that will speak directly to them. Lord, that will change their tomorrow, Lord. And Lord, if there is not anybody in this room that has made a decision for Jesus Christ, Lord, that today they would say, you are king, and I want to serve you and worship you fully and completely. And that today will be the day of salvation. And for those of us that know Christ, Lord, that tomorrow, today, this evening, we would think about every moment of our life, every penny we spend, every decision we make. Is this going to build a greater, is this wood, hay, stubble, or gold, silver, precious stone? Am I going to have a bigger pile or more fire? Reveal that to us, Lord, as we go through this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.